0: Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Murad Salman Mirza about taking an interdisciplinary approach to organizational development and change management. Salman Mirza, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation with you. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, you join us from Pakistan, and it's in the evening there. It's morning here in Utah in the US. So, <clears throat> recognizing the time difference, I appreciate you being willing to take time out of your evening uh, to, to join us and share your insights and your experience with all of my listeners today. For all my listeners, Murad is a, a worldwide recognized expert in a variety of areas. But what we're going to be focusing on in our conversation today is taking an interdisciplinary approach to organizational development and change management. And as we get started, I just wanted to share his bio with everybody Murad Salman Mirza is an innovative thinker and an astute practitioner with more than 20 years of multidisciplinary experience in organizational development, talent management, and business transformation in a rich array of roles, such as board member, senior executive, corporate manager, consultant, trainer, auditor, author, speaker, mentor, etc. He ended the last decade as globally ranked number one in HR and culture, top five in leadership management and change management, top 20 in agility, innovation, and future of work, and top 35 in customer experience by the world's first open platform based in the U.S. for thought leaders, which is Thinker's 360. His insights, innovations, solutions, methodologies, tools, techniques, and approaches have been added to the libraries of premier institutions across the world, such as the United Nations, Harvard, MIT, Oxford, Cambridge, Princeton, Berkeley, Cornell, Stanford, Columbia, NSEED, uh, on and on and on and on, and I could just keep going uh, for all the, the reach that his work has had for the growth and development of their talent. He has successfully guided, trained, and enabled organizations from the services and manufacturing sectors in gaining competitive strategic and operational advantages through ingrained core values, cohesive uh, corporate culture, fervent embrace of diversity, and inclusion practices, and responsive organizational design and structures, incisive organizational development. It, interventions, engaged talent management initiatives, robust management systems, astute use of uh, technology, and an unrelenting focus on enhancing the delight factor for internal and external customers. Currently, he is advising, consulting, and and doing training and development work and mentoring uh, and speaking with regional and global professional forums. Additionally, he engages as a contributing author, blogger, and guest columnist for several prestigious publications around the world. Uh, Again, what a pleasure to have you joining me on the podcast today. I really appreciate your time uh, and commitment to sharing knowledge in this area with with, uh, practitioners around the world. And uh, before we launch into the conversation about uh, organizational development and change management from an interdisciplinary perspective, is there anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of background, personal context, or anything like that?
1: Uh, thank you so much again, Jonathan, for uh, a wonderful introduction, and it's truly a pleasure exchanging my views with you. Uh, I think uh, I just look forward to exchanging my uh, uh, insights uh, based upon the experience I've had in working uh, uh, with uh, different kinds of clients and in different countries, and I think that's the richness that I bring to this conversation as we move along.
0: Yeah, wonderful. And, you know, as we were talking in the pre-interview, you were sharing a little bit about your situation, you know, during the pandemic. And, and you had just come from a, nearly a decade in the United Arab Emirates, and now you're back in Pakistan. Uh, but you truly are a global, um, a global expert and have experience uh, in many, many places. So I also appreciate that and am excited to pick your brain about some of these principles as they relate not just within, you know, a single context, like in the U S or a Western kind of a context, but really more generally. So let's, let's start there. And I know you you like to talk about, excuse me, how you focus on an interdisciplinary approach to OD change management and and that, that type of work within organizations to shape cultures and to make sure that you have healthy, engaging environments for employees. Um, So maybe you can start by describing for us your philosophy of OD and change management. And then we can get into some of the particulars um, around what that can look like in organizations, how we apply the interdisciplinary elements, and then look at some global uh, differences around the world.
1: Okay, Uh, so Jonathan, I tend to view organization development as a um, broader uh, pathway to achieving organizational effectiveness. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, doing various interventions throughout the organization. And uh, change management is actually uh, the pathway through which you can input a systematic methodology in terms of achieving those goals accordingly. So uh, I think they're intertwined very closely to each other. Uh, but uh you know it's it's important to seek the ultimate goal and not just be lost into uh, the the uh, the tools and techniques of the things it's, it, itself because a lot of these change efforts and initiatives uh, have a very high probability of failure if you're not looking at a broader picture especially from a humanistic angle and with the technology aspect coming in it seems like everything seems to be gravitating towards automation, whereas we're looking uh, or even actually marginalizing some of the things that are more important in this context, which is actually the human factor that needs to be kept in mind accordingly. And I'll give you an example in UAE. There's a lot of um, effort being put into uh, putting technology into each and every aspect of various organizations. Now, this has actually resulted into a lot of apprehension and uh, problematic relationships between uh, the employees and the management, because 90% or uh, thereabouts of the employees are expats. So they're always looking at the possibility that they might have to wrap up everything, you know, fold up their lives however comfortable they may be and just have to seek uh, other avenues because their company is not actually aligning its own strategic imperatives with their own individual ambition. So they're not pulling in the same direction together. So sometimes When uh, a change initiative is announced, it actually results in ringing alarm bells for all these people in the workforce that start looking at uh, the possibility that, hey, I might be actually a victim rather than uh, be a uh, facilitator for such a change. And that sort of uh, uh, brings in the mindset of a uh, survivor, and then it sort of uh, uh, upends all kinds of uh, positive initiatives because there's an internal struggle that starts going in these organizations where everybody is looking for each other rather than everybody uniting as a team and working for the higher goal of making sure that uh, the organization remains relevant and competitive in the digital age. So these are the interesting dynamics that sort of evolve in that context, especially with organizations that are putting technology way uh, above the concerns uh of the humanistic factor and they're not actually looking at an optimum balance between the two
0: yeah those are really great points and you you raise the the important issue of change fatigue uh and resistance within organizations and of course we see we see that all the time and you aptly pointed out that the vast majority of change initiatives tend to fail there's a lot of research on this and they fail for a variety of reasons um, but a big part of it is that resistance component and, and the change fatigue that people are under. And so, you know, even if the change is, is ultimately going to be a positive for me, for my career, you know, for the success of the organization, uh, just the sheer pace of change um, and the uncertainty that it creates can can result in people uh, putting up walls and barriers and resistance or deciding to bail and and jump ship and, and, and look for positions somewhere else and so organizations can start to lose their top talent. So we really exactly. do have to we really do have to balance all of these elements. Now certainly yes. technol- you know advances in technology and disruptive technologies can can and should be utilized within organizations to help them be more successful. but to your point we need to be very thoughtful about that. We need to take a holistic approach, to understanding the organization, its challenges and the issues at play. And we can't forget about the human element because even with automation and AI machine learning and other disruptive technologies, we are always still going to need people in order to do those things that machines can't do and probably will never be able to do. Uh, And if we alienate everyone in the process of going through um, OD and change uh, initiatives, and ultimately we're shooting the long-term sustainability of our organization. We're, we're, we're shooting that prospect in the, you know, ourselves in the foot. uh, And, and ultimately it's going to be very difficult in the long run. Uh, And I think, you know, maybe I'm, I'm reading into this a little bit too much and I don't want to put words into your mouth, but as, as we're framing the beginning of this episode talking about interdisciplinary work and the importance of that and OD and change in in my mind, that largely is aimed to address those issues that you just described. Um, as we're trying to take a holistic approach, which requires a system, a systematic, um, holistic, uh, way of viewing, uh, the organization and its people and all of its challenges, uh, and when we take that kind of an approach and we engage people in the process, then we can reduce the likelihood of change fatigue, we can, Uh, increase the buy-in and reduce resistance. And we increase the likelihood that the change initiative will be successful, which also then reduces change fatigue because then we're not constantly trying to do the next new thing.
1: Yes, Uh, I think I definitely agree with that assessment. And especially the key word that you used right now is the word buy-in. And that's where a lot of the top management is consistently lacking because in their own Uh, initiative to uh, create their own branding stamp on the organization. They come up with these pet projects and they just want to make them, uh, you know, uh, reach uh, some sort of a conclusion without uh, realizing the broader impact on all the stakeholders, since they are themselves beholden to some higher uh, forces, maybe their board of directors or shareholders, and they just want to make sure that they can get quicker results prove their own uh, position within the organization as, as justified. However, that sort of a, uh, approach creates a, a reverse reactionary mode within the workforce where, you know, sometimes even if the workforce is not able to push back uh, actively, they do go into passive resistance. And one of the behavioral things that I've interestingly found out is that, they start using humor as a passive resistance force so everything becomes a joke to them they will make fun of the senior management behind their back they will have informal conversation where they will make fun of the object and the things that are going on and what the image has been projected to the outside world and what the real organization is functioning within itself and how there's functional breakdowns and they sort of uh, make it like an office humor thing which uh, you know, sort of helps them cope with this change fatigue that sort of what brings in. Another thing is that change takes time. You know, for example, if you say a, a, a quality judgment on that would be that at least give 18 months for something to actually settle down, take roots, show results, right? But in this uh, hyperly competitive and sped up world, you know, and especially in organizations who are actually forced to give quarterly results on how the organization is doing, everything needs to be then and there at the quickest way possible. Now, change takes time, and it needs to be ingrained before it shows results, before it can be assessed properly, and the next initiative can be built upon that or made sure that the results have been achieved so it uh, they actually align with the higher objective of systems within the competitive world and in that a lot of get people get frustrated you talked about the talent leaving the organization it's a very common factor they get frustrated you you start losing your best people and then you bring in the diversity and inclusion factor And I'll, I'll tell you one of the interesting factors which happens actually in the UAE uh, and in a broader context in the GCC region where salaries are pretty high as far as uh, the, uh, the management cadre is concerned. So a lot of expats are not attracted Uh, because there's anything other than higher salaries that are being offered to work in there. So they leave their homes, whether in Europe or U.S. or Canada, even uh, Pakistan, India. What they're trying to do is maximize their stay within that, uh, you know, sort of uh, region uh, based upon what is being offered as a compensation package. But that does not relate into a conducive work environment. So they're already tolerating a lot of the imbalances in terms of, hey, take the salary, resist the negative consequences of a bad or a um, a regressive work environment, and make sure you stick around long enough so you can earn so much that you can take the next jump. Now, in that context, change becomes quite tricky, organizational development becomes quite tricky, and then technology enters as uh, as a sort of a buffer between the two. And interestingly, sometimes you see top management creating technology as a barrier between them and the workforce in terms of communication, in terms of uh, avoiding hard questions, and just making sure that everybody sort of... uh, sings along in a tune which does not disturb the organizational harmony. So you don't get too many rebels in the organization, you just get a lot of conformers. So the problem with too many conformers is that the innovation starts dying down. So when you're talking about organizational development or change management, you're seeking avenues of... uh, that creativity and imagination that can drive an organization to become or stay relevant and competitive in the digital age. But if there are no innovators, if you don't give voice to the rebels, you are actually negating the very concept of that. And that's where you see a lot of uh, resistance coming through and a lot of disillusionment that creeps in and people start looking for the next opportunity where they can actually truly feel liberated enough to utilize the best uh, abilities and uh, feel competent enough uh, in terms of doing justice to their talent
0: yeah well said i agree with everything you just said and it's really interesting to hear it from the uae perspective as well because that adds an extra layer of of challenge when you're dealing with such a high percentage of expat workers and trying to have a thriving organizational culture shared purpose and engaging employees Um, certainly that's a challenge um, so let's talk a little bit more specifically about this interdisciplinary approach as we try to create a holistic um, view of organizational challenges uh, to drive change initiatives. Um, how do you view interdisciplinarity, and why, why do you find that to be so important?
1: I think it, it's important because it puts it contextualizes a lot of the principles and aspects and uh, methodologies. In a, in a clarified manner for people to embrace and create a buy-in and be part of the movement itself. And it does not alienate them from the higher purpose. Hey, I'm pulling towards it because I gained something from it and the, and the organization gains something from it. So if you're not able to make such connections between the different functions and the disciplines that actually come together in making it a success, then uh, you are not able to fulfill the higher objective of actually uh, coming up with real change. You you can do some salad dressing sort of a thing for a lot of the things, but that does not mean that the organization itself is growing. Uh, It could be just the organization is static and just needs sort of a uh, you know, a marketing uh, uh, fabric on, on, on its uh, image, which uh, does not actually uh, bode well for its uh, longevity in terms of a viable uh, presence within the corporate community. And that's the thing that uh, is a challenge for leadership, because one of the things that I've found out for these leaders is that They are always, uh, they ultimately go into a bubble in which they are actually saying a lot of things. They're directing a lot of things. They're being uh, in a position where they become the fountain of knowledge and they start listening to the people from down under as as so as to speak. So a lot of the bottom up things stop being uh, so uh, much uh, Uh, you know, having an impact on how decision making is done. And it's more like what is being top down that is actually driving the thing. So as you well know, that culture seems to be driven from the top. And uh, once there's a change at the top, the whole organization goes through this uh, kind of an earthquake in terms of how it needs to gravitate and align itself with the new normal. And especially in these uncertain times, a lot of these things are being questioned and especially with remote working and all kinds of setups. You know, what does change mean anymore? You know, do, do we need uh, uh, to have an in-person uh, engagement or whether we can do the same thing while we're sitting on Zoom meetings, can that work? And uh, how does each of us contribute positively and productively as part of, uh, of a team? These are all the questions which are now popping up and how uh, va- how much value is everybody adding there was a time when people could hide in bigger organizations do just about the bare minimum amount of work and just not be noticed now everybody's accountable because everybody counts and companies are realizing, hey, I can uh, we can actually get the job done with six people and we had about 10 people. So what about the other four people? And this is the kind of thing that uh, is streaming into this. And when, when we're looking at change management, when we're looking at organization development, we're looking at interventions. We are actually entering into uh, the zone of uh, uncomfortable and uh, in a difficult decision making where a lot of these leaders are caught in and buying. And uh, it's not just people who get impacted and leave the organization, but who are actually left behind. And they are also uh, sort of in a, in, in a sort of a quandary whether I'm going to be next or whether what does change mean to me? Uh, is AI a replacement for me, a, com- a companion for me, or a facilitator for me? So these are the kind of things that are swirling around in these organizations. And uh, leadership has to wake up to that sort of uh, scenario and not just be the, uh, the, uh, uh, the top-down uh, uh, driver of uh, knowledge or instruction or uh, direction giving uh, portfolio that they hold at this point. And it has to be more of a teamwork and a symbiotic relationship between all levels of the organizational hierarchy. And that's where actually uh, interdisciplinary aspects become really important.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think um, the contextual element that you described is so important. And when I'm, you know, I, I teach at the university and when I teach students about OD and change, one of the very first things we explore is the origins of organizational development emerging really from an interdisciplinary background where you had people coming from all different social science disciplines who focused on organizations and work um sociologists psychologists anthropologists political scientists uh, business people you know name the social science and you had people in those social science areas focusing on organizations and work and slowly the the field of organizational development as an interdisciplinary field started to emerge and we can't forget that because it's it's essential that we utilize a wide kind of range perspective uh, where we open our aperture, the aperture of our understanding. And we, and we utilize a wide variety of tools and techniques and not get stuck with, you know, a specific tool. Uh, That's one of the the beefs I have with some consulting agencies is they tend to have, um, you know, their, uh, you know, their, their secret sauce so to speak that they claim is, is that they've, they've, they've hacked the, you know, the, the code and, and they know exactly what this, you know, the specific thing is that organizations need to do. And, and frankly, that's nonsense because every organization is different. Um, you have to approach each with fresh eyes and uh, certainly you can utilize experience and and ex- expertise and knowledge to, to inform, but, but largely you have to, you have to address every new organization with fresh eyes to be able to tackle it. And you have to look at it from a s- systemic um holistic approach that is inherently interdisciplinary um i i recognize we're about out of time but i did want to give you a chance to also share if there's any other thoughts or perspectives you had uh, about od and change from an international standpoint any uh, major differences you see globally and then we'll we'll wrap up for today
1: Uh, i think uh, i've truly enjoyed uh, my conversation with you jonathan I think uh, what is really important is to realize that uh, geographical and regional differences that come into uh, this sort of equation are driven by uh, the certain uh, cultural norms and, uh, and perspectives which are unique to those places too. And sometimes when you're being part of a multinational and you're driven a corporate agenda, you have to be careful enough to make sure that you have an accommodation for these kinds of uh, differences within the uh, organizational hierarchy. So if you're driving change in a country where you're uh, running a subsidiary, where uh, expats are dominating senior positions and local population has no hope of rising to those positions, there's already an inherent problem in terms of the workforce dynamics. So if you're trying to make some change, you have to understand these organizational behavioral issues, which are actually bubbling right beneath the surface. And if they're not tackled, then you just create a lot of... uh, Uh, you know, problems uh, which might pop up at the wrong time, and people become skeptical of any change or organizational development interventions. And that's where the, the clashes can occur. And although you might have an organizational culture, so as to speak, but there are a lot of subcultures which are also existing. And whether those things are not tackled, uh, if, if those things are not tackled properly and timely and effectively, uh, these things can actually mushroom into much bigger problems. So uh, I think uh, those things need to be uh, washed out very carefully, and especially when you're dealing with uh, remote working and you're looking at hybrid working. You know, you're looking at new environments, a new uh, way of connecting with each other and uh you know, I'm all for management philosophies and tools and techniques, but in the end it's human relationships that need to be reinforced because in the end, How do you define an organization? If it's a group of people that actually are pulling towards this unified goal with their individual ambitions all soon in, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, making sure that uh, they are also internally satisfied and motivated and gravitating towards the higher goal of organizational uh, uh, excellence, then You know, everybody has to be pulling together, but you have to understand that old relational behavior things, which are actually all the time bubbling. And unless you get a grip on that, these higher initiatives are liable to fail.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. It has been a real pleasure talking with you today. Before we close, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get in touch with you, get connected, and find out more about the work that you're doing, Uh, and then give us the final word on the topic for today.
1: Uh, thank you. Uh, I, I can be reached on LinkedIn. I'm a very active person on uh, LinkedIn and I actually do uh, write a lot and those uh, writings are published and they're available on my profile too. And uh, that's uh, one of the things that uh, that I actually do in terms of disseminating knowledge, especially on the projects I work with clients or uh uh, the the uh, the engagements that I have with the wider uh, gl- uh, corporate community, or my engagements at the professional and uh, regional and professional uh, forums uh, on a global scale. So, uh, please do connect with me on uh, LinkedIn. I would love to have you there. Uh, as a parting uh, point, I would just like to say, and I always remember this: uh, remember Maya Angelou's famous words. Uh, she said, uh, "People will uh, forget what you said." People will forget what you did. Well, people will never forget how you made them feel. So if you're looking at organization development and change management, you know, make sure those feelings are catered well and effectively, because without those, these things can seep into a lot of the other aspects that you're trying to improve, and they can nullify all the positive initiatives that you might actually be willing to engage in, but you might come up with so much passive resistance that they just don't have a high probability of succeeding. So good luck to everyone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what uh, Mirad can do for you and, and how he and his work can assist you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.